You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. Hey, have you finished your uh, your Christmas shopping, or should I call it holiday shopping? <laughs> I guess you could call it holiday shopping, although I, well, yeah, let's, let's go with holiday shopping. And no, I'm I'm not, I'm not even close to finish. Really? I'll be honest. I, I, I'm, I, I guess this year, it's funny, most of it's been done. All the important stuff, like really important stuff as far as I'm concerned, has already been taken care of and it's been taken care of for a while. But there's still some last minute stuff that uh, it's just finding the time to go out and get it. And sometimes I guess with the holiday season being what it is, sometimes you just don't have the time. And normally I'm the kind of guy that would just go and order a whole bunch of stuff off Amazon and stuff yeah. and, and deal with it that way. But this year I, I couldn't do that. So, yeah, it's uh it might be one of those uh, race to the finishes as far as uh, trying to beat uh, Santa Claus to the finish line. <laughs> I was about to say, dude, uh, you do know it's the 19th of December, right? <laughs> I thrive under pressure, Tim. That's what I do best. I, I, you push we, my back up against the wall and I will do it. My wife and I went shot. We were out last week and we were out near Angra, not near you. And um, we ended up luckily being able to pick up everything that we needed to right there and then because this is just how the it's, it's how our, our family does things where it's not gifts technically for everybody or at least for her side of the family mm-hmm. where it's we the, all the adults do it by a secret santa type of thing and then we just buy for the kids nice so That's we have we, ha- we have their lists and then we go from there so it's we, we were <laughs> lucky enough to be able to do it like that but uh and i was very surprised it's usually and you you know this very well too from being around that area that usually there's a policeman usually uh to control traffic trying to get into cafe or angry you know? there wasn't i was very surprised i was i, wow. I, I mentioned it to my wife i said where's the cop <laughs> yeah it's one, it's one of the times you expect to see police and no not, none to be found yeah, unless Unless there was like full scale rioting inside the malls themselves, and the police were just occupied no, with that. It, it seemed to be pretty good. I, I mean, maybe because online is more of a prevalent thing or whatnot, but I don't know. I, I really well, don't know. I, but that's it. I mean, I mean, that's like I said, that's really how I've done my shopping for years. And you're lucky. At least your your the kids in your family give you lists. Like the my <laughs> my nieces and nephews. I ask them, "What do you want for Christmas?" I don't know. Like, oh. well, that <laughs> that doesn't happen. Well, you're get, you're getting money then. That's what it is. You're I, getting I mean, coal. I'm sorry. Well, I can't do that. I mean, I well, literally, who where where does one buy coal anyways? Uh, well, I mean, you could, I guess you could always buy some uh, some uh, charcoal briquettes. You know, just go to any uh, Canadian Tire and pick up a bag. You know, use half of it for your uh, for your barbecue and half of it for for the kids' stockings. You know, oh, could, could always okay. wrap it up. Either wrap it up or. Uh, you know what? Make it even more special, Cliff. Is if you you know use a little bit of your your God given talent uh, and what art we can do, and you know what? Maybe get a you know get a little bit of a uh, get the um, uh, get the uh, the glue gun, get a few of the googly eyes, you know, a, a couple of pipe cleaners. You know, it could be your, their own type of uh, today's type of pet rock. Oh yeah, I like that. It's a little Martha Stewart in there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I can appreciate that. And then if they happen to ask you, well, why does this briquette sm- smell like lighter fluid? You say, it's not lighter fluid. That's the aroma. Ah, uh, you see, see the see? magic of Christmas. <laughs> the magic, yeah, magic of Christmas. You know, I don't know what's more. Uh, what's more? By the way, um, this will be the before we get go on. This will be the our final episode of I would say of the decade, but we haven't been on. We haven't been around that long. Uh, but this will be the final episode of 2019. Uh, we do have a vi- we do have 2020 vision coming up. Ah ah, see what I did uh, there. Ah, uh. um, but uh, yeah, we'll be back in the new year. Talk about the album. We got some pretty cool stuff to talk about this week. Um, by the way, we want to thank everybody who gave their feedback for our last episode with uh, Coach Kahari Jones. It's it has done really well when it comes to listens to you know especially over at at alwitzflightdeck.ca but I mean just overall uh, it seems that everybody has really loved that interview. Absolutely, and obviously it helps when you've got a coach that's very fun to talk to, very engaging, uh, very. 
passionate and it comes through just even just talking to him on the telephone, so to speak. Oh yeah. You, you, you get the, the vibe, the energy that, that just radiates off him. And I, I tell you what, man, I is so good to know that we've got this guy for the next three years and man, if, if that doesn't get your juices flowing as far as the 2020 season starting, I don't know what will. Yep. Yep. Well, actually I can think of one thing that could probably get the juices flowing and, uh, it came in the form of an early Christmas gift yet again, Tim. Yeah, it did. But before we get to that extra special thing, I was going to say to you, I think one of the most frustrating things when it comes to Christmas, uh, I actually don't know what's more frustrating when it, this Christmas time, is either putting lights onto a Christmas tree or having to find out that we still don't have a GM. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what's more frustrating because it just seems that the way that this is gone and the the it seems that we've had some great candidates. Um, you know, the Alouettes put out a statement just this week, uh, yesterday, yesterday, stating that, you know, they've suspended, uh, they're looking, they're looking for a GM. Um, and I kind of under, I mean, I understand the reason for those who did, who, or those of you who hadn't read it, uh, it, it's the, the Alouettes are really pointing to because of the current ownership situation. And it makes me wonder I, I, it sounds like the CFL actually said to put the kibosh on it too. Does that, is that how it came off to you? Yep. And that's pretty much who I would point the blame at as far as to why we don't have a general manager because we don't have owners. And why don't we have owners? Because the CFL still hasn't gotten this taken care of yet. Yeah. Even though the Grey Cup has already been handed out. In fact, it was nearly a month ago since the, the Grey Cup was played. We were expecting an announcement pretty much you know, shortly after Grey Cup that, hey, you know, this this should be a done deal. Like that would have made the most sense as to when to announce a new ownership group and still nothing. We still have no clue whatsoever as to which direction they're going as far as potential ownership groups. Uh, we have no idea where anything else is going to fall into place. We, we, we're we no further along, Tim, than we were, say, six months ago. I know. I know. And, and we hear many things and, you know, we hear – you, you know, uh, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, Ryan McMaiden, his comments that were supposedly put out there that he saw too many red flags. Uh, we don't know if that is pertaining because of no ownership. Um, that was kind of frustrating considering he he seems to be an up-and-comer. And same with the others, too. You know, some of the ones, even Danny McManus, he pulled out himself because he even stated it, it really wasn't it really wasn't let be known that, you know, he – um, he was still actively, you know, searching for players for his current team. So I kind of understand that one, but I guess that who we had last year, it's that, that, that's what it's going to be this year with just one minor, minor change. And that's what I wanted to talk about too, but maybe we do need to have a new, a new owner first, whether it be the, the ownership group that we keep hearing about, whether whether it, whether it does or doesn't include the wet and all. So I was like, what, where the hell did that come from? I mean, I can understand why, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, I I can shake my head about this, Cliff. But, I, you know, considering <laughs> considering we went 10 and 8 and we made the playoffs, you know, I, I guess it's a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. So it's... Yeah, uh, I guess it'll get done when it gets done. But when we talk about the the, the GM situation, um, you notice that there was one particular name that was missing from the group of people that they said they're going that are going to be teaming up to be to I guess be the interim GMs for the Alouettes in twenty twenty. And what name would that be? Mac. Yep. He wasn't listed. He was replaced. Nope. He was replaced by Wally. <clears throat> Yeah, because uh, Joe Mack had stated uh, last season that uh, he's not interested in the long term as far as general managership goes. I mean, he was a, ca- right. a caretaker. But and- we never heard anything. See, that's the thing. Usually the Al- – well, uh, CFL sometimes over they release somebody quiet. We've seen that before. But, I mean, it's – Oh, yeah. I'm very surprised that nothing was said. Well, and maybe unless, that was Unless probably- it happened when Wally was brought in. Possibly, but, uh, I mean – I, I think also too maybe that like since he had uh, since Joe Mack had stated that he had no interest in being the general manager of the Alouettes maybe it was one of those things where it just a kind of a quiet release and just you know let the season play out and then just you know thank him for his service and off you go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
like I said, he not fired, didn't quit. I guess it's just a mutual parting of the ways might might be the best way to describe it. But again, because as you said, they didn't announce anything officially. We, we're only speculating at this point. Yeah, well, well could, could be worse. It could be how Toronto uh, Toronto decided to announce how they got rid of and then they got their new quarterback, uh, their new uh, their new head coach in the, in the exact same tweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, wow. So, I mean, what, what's your thought? I mean, yes, it's still going to be Kahari, it's still going to be Boavin, and it's now going to be Wally. Uh, Buono, what's your thought? I mean, uh, you know what? Them bringing in Wally, it didn't surprise me at all. It was a, a, a cool thing to see with him being a part of the of the consultant that he was to, to bring in the new GM. But what do you think about this? Could and Now, I know Wally has not said that he's done, but what do you think about this? What, could this lead to Wally being our gm full time going forward i don't you don't okay i, I don't i i think again because uh, again that uh, if, if that were the case then they would have named him the general manager end of story i i think that Things he may change in a year though certainly they could but i i think it's just considering who wally buono is and what he's meant to the cfl uh, i think if you were going to go ahead and make him the general manager you would have already done so by now and I never got the impression, too, especially, too, like he's already retired. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess, like, now this is his second retirement. As Like, first he stepped aside from his general manager duties to focus on head coaching and then stepped away from that as well because it sounded like he wanted to spend time with his family and all that stuff. And, again, I've, with the career that he's had, he's definitely earned his, uh, you know, he, he's earned his time to focus on him. Yeah. Maybe he's got that football itch still. It's, it's hard to say. Or maybe this truly is just a consulting role and – I'm okay with that too. I'm, I'm okay with him offering his input in that and trying to help uh, find the next general manager for the Alouettes. But at the same time, I just like I couldn't honestly envision him to do the job properly too. Like, is he really going to pack up from the West Coast and come back to Montreal? Because ideally, general manager is someone that should be here full time. And yes, we've we've never really had a general manager that stayed here full time for the most part, other than Cavis Reed for. Good parts of the year he stayed in Montreal, but you think about Jim Pop, who for the longest time did live in Montreal, but then uh, the last few years of his reign was back in North Carolina with right, his family. Right. So, I mean, yes, in theory, you could run the, you know, you could do your job remotely, but at the same time, it would be kind of nice to know that there is a general manager that's actually in the city, along with the coaches, along with the rest of the administration, but. Like I said, this this Alouettes team at times, uh, they do things in such a creative, unusual way that you just it, – it's not conventional. Let's put it that way. It, it's not a conventional way of doing things, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not so good. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I, I, I can't really make heads or tails of it. Uh, it's one of those situations that just – you have to sort of accept it for what it is and just hope and pray that it all works out in the end. Um, what's your thought on it? What everybody's saying about, you know, we heard about the, we're talking about the wet nulls before, but it, does Jim pop come back? I mean, we like, we, I had no problem with Jim pop as the GM, but, uh, do you see Jim pop coming back? Cause he is, seems to be in the mix. Same thing, with Danny Machocha, same thing, same thing with some others too. Uh, before this whole thing was, uh, uh, kiboshed, uh, temporarily. Do I, do you see him coming back? Because with all honesty, I don't see Jim coming back. Neither do I. I, and I, I think would be, and again, I, I say this because I am very much, I've got nothing but love for Jim Pop as, as a member of the Alouettes and as a human being. I've got, you know, all the utmost respect for him, but I think his time has come and gone. Mm-hmm. As far as being a, a full time general manager, I think what we saw in Toronto was the re- the reason why you wouldn't want him to come back. I mean, yes, he did win a Grey Cup with the Argos in 2017. Uh, some would argue that a lot of the reason why they won that great cup was because Ricky Ray is was still Ricky Ray. And having Mark Tressman, who still had a bit of magic left in him, but I think the the subsequent years have proven that what the thing that made Jim Pop such a great general manager, he got away from that. And that's the reason why he's no longer the general manager. Yeah. I, I just like the ability to find those diamonds in the rough, uh to me, that's what made Jim Pop such a great general manager. He knew how to handle people. He knew when to say yes or say no to certain players when certain guys were done and when they weren't done and give them the opportunity to shine. 
I, I just haven't seen that from Jim in Toronto the past couple of years. And I just don't see it happening again in Montreal. Like I, I just get that image of reheated leftovers when I hear Jim Pop's name being introduced into the mix as far as a general manager. I, I think it would be uh, there's a there's a comfort there. There's a safety blanket, so to speak, feeling when you talk about Jim Pop as general manager of the Alouettes. But I just don't see him being as effective as he was during his heyday here in Montreal. And for that reason, I honestly prefer even in a caretaker role. I don't think I'd really want him back here. I, I think, you know, he's done some amazing things in the Canadian Football League. I mean, he's been a terrific general manager for the Alouettes for so many years. I'd rather have those memories. Like, I, I want those memories of Jim Pop as opposed to him trying to right the ship again or, you know, making the wrong decisions. And, you know, Montreal gets himself set back another yeah. three, four years yet again. Like, I... I think at this point you're better off just to find some fresh blood and just move forward as opposed to reaching back into the past and hiring some of these other retreads that you've seen, like their names in the news. I I personally would rather see the Alouettes look for someone young, dynamic, mm-hmm. and just with a head for football. Right. And they're out there, and, and they've interviewed them. And for whatever reason, they've decided not to go ahead with them. And At least right now. At least right now. Maybe maybe different. I mean, maybe, maybe uh, you know, Rick Maiden may, may come decide to, to join the, the Owls in 2021. I don't know. Uh, just to, you know, just, just to throw out one name that seemed to be the guy who was going to be, was going to be, hot, uh, you know, he was asked and he turned them down. Who knows? We, we, we don't know. I mean, I, you know. Right now, we can all do speculation across the board. Everybody in the media, Joey Alfieri to 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 Herb Zakowski to to us. That you know, we don't know what's going to be happening because, uh, with all honesty, I don't think we expected that uh, that press release to come out from the Alouettes when it did. But um, it's you know what? As I said, we did so well last year with with uh, a GM by committee. It's very possible that it's going to do we're going to do just as just as well and. And who knows how much the signing of Kahari to that three-year contract played into this. We won't know, but we all I think everybody in the media agrees, especially in Montreal football fans agree, he had to be signed. We, he needed to be signed. Uh, it just seems that we're doing things backwards, but I mean, it, it is what it is. And, uh, uh, you know, 2021, we'll see. Let's get the owners, let's get the new GM, and let's go from there. So, But the, there was one, at least one positive that came out of that um, press release that the Alouettes sent out. Was that we found out that uh, Eric Delorier uh, got a bump up? He's now the new director of player, uh, director of player personnel. Well, he already was, but now he's director of football operations. Sorry, sorry, football ops, football. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, he got a bump up the football ops. Yeah. So, so which is which? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board with this move because I think he's proven himself to be uh, very capable when it comes to. Again, assembling a draft, for example, he's done an excellent job with that. I, I think a lot of the players that were drafted by the Alouettes over the past two years, uh, it's mo- it was mostly DeLaurier who was behind a lot of these names. Uh, he's also been very good as far as bringing in the talent and giving uh, quite a few players uh, which we're the opportunity to shine. Shortly. Yeah, which we're going to be talking about shortly. So, No, I mean, I think uh, – and again, he's a steady hand. Uh, he's definitely proven that he can do the job so far. And I, I'm, I'm pretty – I'm feeling pretty confident that he will do – I have a feeling he'll be doing a lot of those day-to-day general manager-type duties for now. And, again, I wouldn't necessarily want to confer that title onto him right away because, it's again, it's still something you have to build towards. And, you know, I, I perhaps in a couple of years, maybe we might be talking about Eric Delorier, the general manager. But uh, I think for right now, I think also, too, it's a bit of a precarious position because, as you said, we're – the Alouettes are kind of doing things by committee now, and it's it's a short-term fix, but not a long-term solution. Yeah. However, I've seen what he we we've both seen what he's been able to do. We've seen the kind of players that have been brought in this this past season, and let's face it, there's there's been some very talented players, and these are guys that really just needed an opportunity, and they made the most of that opportunity. And now you look at 2020, like if these guys come back, and they're given the opportunity to shine again. I have no doubt in my mind that they will, and Montreal will still be able to continue to move forward. So it's basically setting the table for whoever the next general manager will be. They're building a foundation of good, talented players that you can work with. And hopefully whoever whoever it is that gets hired as general manager will, will be given the opportunity to make moves as well and just 
do what needs to be done as far as keeping this Alouette's uh, ship uh, going in the right direction. Exactly. And you know what? I know we're going to we're going to talk about the schedule, but uh, you know, since we already brought it up and we talk about the the players that the the Alouettes have signed uh, it, just this off season alone, in the short off season that that it's been, um, we might as well go ahead and talk about it because it's uh, very interesting on many parts, and, and and I'm obviously very I'm very happy with a couple of these signings and and. Yeah, uh, I mean, finding out about you know being able to to you know hear about these people getting signed, it was just uh, I couldn't be any happier. But before we talk about the, uh, those particulars, who are the who are the current Alouettes that were given um, uh, a one up, basically one ups for uh, uh, for the Owls for twenty twenty? All right. Well, the most notable names that uh, we got to hear over the over the last couple of seasons uh, that have signed extensions are uh, Hugo Richard. Who was our uh, basically fourth quarterback? <laughs> See, yeah, I don't know how that's gonna what that's gonna happen. Anyway, that's 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 for another conversation. Four quarterbacks, and you can only st- uh, start two supposedly in twenty twenty. Anyways, continue. Sorry. Yep, uh, Etienne Moissin, who was uh, drafted by the Alouettes uh, this past year, uh, has signed an extension. Or sorry, he was. Uh, I'm sorry, he was, he was drafted last year in twenty eighteen and uh, played a little uh, played a few games this year, uh, mostly on special teams, but. Uh, also proved himself to be uh, pretty talented, and again, this this kid, given the chance, will will definitely make a lot of noise. Uh, Malcolm Carter also has finally has been signed to an extension as well, which is great because you didn't see a whole lot of him during the season, uh, but because he spent most of the time on the practice roster. But uh, the last couple of games, when the Alouettes basically had their playoff spot clinched, and they were giving chances for other players to get uh, get some reps in, he was one of those players that really had a good connection with Vernon Adams. In fact, uh, both uh, Carter and Adams trained together quite a bit during the off se- or during the uh, during the regular season. So see the the connection that they've they've been able to develop. I I'm pretty excited because I've been high on Carter for a couple of years now, and I've said all he needed really truly is a chance to get some honest to goodness reps, and he'll get a chance to shine. And actually during that last game against Auto, the last game of the regular season in Ottawa, uh, Carter had a couple of really nice catches. As a matter of fact, and nearly scored a touchdown. Uh, again, I, I think it's just a matter now of developing that chemistry with Vernon Adams, and I have no doubt in my mind he'll be able to do that because I've seen the talent that this kid has and i'm telling you folks you you give this kid enough of an opportunity he will impress you he will blow your mind Uh, a couple of the other players that were signed by the alouettes were uh shaquille murley lawrence a canadian running back which is good because uh as we'll eventually address too is that uh the running back situation now is a little bit shaky but uh with the signing of uh, murray lawrence that does at least give uh, a steady young veteran in the backfield, so that's uh, that's always good. And Zach Wilkinson has also signed uh, an extension with the Alouettes, along with Michael Sinelli. Both of these guys were dr- drafted in the 2019 draft. Uh, both are offensive linemen, and uh, both, I think, have a lot of raw potential. Uh, once again, when it comes to the offensive line, things really tightened up, I think, this year. I think the the offensive line vastly improved over the past couple of years, and now we're uh, we're in a good place as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the offensive line. And having a couple of young studs like uh, Wilkinson and uh, and Sinelli in place, or sorry, uh, Sinelli's a defensive lineman. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now you're. Yeah, that's right. We 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 need. <laughs> but no, uh, yes, uh, Michael Sinelli is a defensive lineman. I apologize, and also to someone that, as you, as you look at the defensive line, that's one of the areas where I still think Montreal needs a little bit of improvement, a little bit of work done because you've got John Bowman, you've got Woody Barron, you've got Ryan Brown. Like these are veterans, but a couple of them are young veterans too, not Bowman, unfortunately. But uh, like this is an area of the football where the Alouettes really need to improve and being able to help develop Sinelli over the next couple of years will be a boon. That will be definitely a big advantage for the Montreal Alouettes. So be able to have someone like that under contract, knowing you've got them for the next couple of years, is kind of a a sigh of relief. So those are the the names that you may have heard this past year. But uh, we're going to focus, and I'll let you take the lead on this, Tim, on uh, two of the uh, other... Very surprising, very surprising 
if anybody saw me, I, I said I was fanboying on, on on social media, and I, I had more. I had a, a I had two really big reasons to fanboy and, and be totally pumped about getting these two players. Um, but the Alouettes, to my surprise, at both of our surprises actually, um, is that the Alouettes signed two wide receivers, um, both from uh, who played in the Arena League. Uh, the Arena Football League uh, this past year and and before that too. But um, one of the big ones is uh, Malachi Jones. Uh, He he was the uh, the rookie of the year in 2018. Uh, He was the um, uh, offensive player of the year, wide receiver of the year uh, um, last year. Um, The guy, he's had stints in uh, uh, the AAF. Uh, He had a stint with the Chicago Bears. Um, but if anybody who knew arena football knew, uh, him quite well from playing with the Albany empire this past, uh, these past two seasons in the arena football league, um, this, this guy can be a superstar. I think he just needed a chance. He, he originally was drafted by Seattle in the XFL cliff and he turned it down basically for them signing in the CFL for a two year contract. He, tur- he turned down the XFL. It makes you wonder. It makes we've seen this happen already with some players who were drafted by the XFL. It makes you wonder if they feel that the stability and it seems to be, in my opinion, from what this is, that the pay is pretty much on par, even if he is paid just the league minimum, just the league minimum. But I mean, the, the, the dude's a baller. The guy can be very. He could be easily a starter. For the Alouettes in, in in 2020 in 2020 easy easy um uh after I, go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say like we uh, like i th- thanks to you i've been able to see him uh, live uh for the past two years playing in the arena league uh, playing out in albany yeah. and you're absolutely right i mean the kid definitely has a wealth of talent like he is definitely he's got good hands uh mm-hmm. he sees the ball extremely well and this is also too let's not forget he's playing on a much smaller field in the arena league so i can just imagine like that kind of explosive energy and uh, that wherewithal to tr- be able to track down the ball being able to play on a, a much wider field oh. in the canadian football league i, I think that's going to be a great use of his speed and I'm really excited to see what the quarterbacks like uh, Bernard Adams and Matthew Schultz slinging him the ball to see what those guys can do with a, a kid like Malachi. I think uh, I think Montreal Alouettes fans have to be extremely excited at this prospect. Yeah, and and the thing too is, I mean, his story is such a great story. Uh, I mean, all of his sisters and brothers are very well known in sports. Um, his brother TJ Jones just recently was uh, with the Giants, and he, he made a, a splash when he was with them uh, before he got released in October. So, uh, I mean, guys, his, his brother is, is now on a on a on the sixty man roster for a major league baseball team. I don't remember which one. I think it's the, it's the Angels. Um, his sister. Uh, but anyways, the story itself is is very interesting. And if you wanted to see what possibly what uh, you know what Malachi can do for the Alouettes, my suggestion is this: uh, there's a, a a great director who did some of the um, like the NFL films type of stories uh, on on the players and, and of the league uh, back in the arena league, the, these past two seasons, um, Ben Fraternale did a great story, a 50 yard short, so to speak on Malachi. So if you head over to YouTube and if you do a search for Ben Fraternale, it's F R A T E R N A L E. And within his videos, you can see the one it's called the 50 yard shorts, Malachi. You get to see the entire uh, nine minute short movie on him, his career and what he's done. And, I think you'll get an idea of what Malachi can do and, and, and can easily, said, easily be uh, a, a star right out of the gates for the Alouettes in 2020. Besides Malachi, another guy who huh, uh, was rookie of the year this past year in the Arena Football League, uh, he is a gentleman that in one game, on his birthday nonetheless, and actually I was at this game when he did this, six touchdowns in a single game, uh, <laughs> Uh, three, uh, four receptions, four by reception, one on a rush and one by a, a just phenomenal and exciting kick return. Uh, Fabian Guerra, uh, this dude, uh, he is, he's not your typical wide receiver. He is a little bit short. I think he's under six feet, um, around, I think five, seven, five, eight, if I'm not mistaken, but 
Yeah, if you do a search for him too, I mean, the, the guy can it can easily be uh, whether he is going to be a wide receiver for the for the Alouettes or a kick returner for the Alouettes, whether it be punt or kicks. He also, I, I think, he is the type of guy that can easily make this team uh, and easily make the the main roster in twenty twenty. Also, wow, that's excellent. I mean, they get not one but two of the stars, if you will, of the Arena Football League. They were, yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad to see that you know, with the unfortunate demise of the C, uh, of the uh, the AFL, it's nice to actually see um, some of these guys actually get a shot. And again, once we when we heard that the Alouettes are going to be signing these two, um, you can attest to the look on my face, which is absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if we had a camera, I would be a new meme on the internet. So. Uh, yeah, to say that you got your Christmas present uh, a, a little bit early would be a, a vast understatement. Oh, for, sure. for sure. So, I mean, I'm sure, and it would be nice to the, uh, keep keep an eye on for some of these other guys that not only the Alouettes, but maybe who may show up in the Arena League, whether it be them or coaches or whatnot. But it's, there's some good talent out there. There's some very good talent out there, and I just hope that they get their shot. So, but uh-huh. I'm very, very, very happy that these, that the Alouettes are going to have these two guys on their roster. So it's, and they were both, they're both for two year contracts. So, um, you know, er, you know, God forbid we lose some of our wide receivers. These guys, as I said, could easily could step in and contribute right away. So, and like you said too, also on special teams, like if these guys, uh, like especially uh, Guerra with uh, with the speed and mm-hmm. uh, ability to track the ball. I mean, that's like again, I, we saw what Mario Alfred did for the Alouettes this season. We yep. saw what Shakir Ryan did. Yep. I mean, it was just about breaking open like once you get you hit that lane and you break open with the speed even when greg sometimes Reed, I, even when greg Reed was doing the kick uh, doing the uh, punt returns yep and greg too also we, we we've, we've mentioned this numerous times he is a, a he's a, a former afl yep, stud as AFL, well so um, yeah yeah i mean there's just again the talent is there it's sometimes it's just a matter of giving these guys the opportunity so maybe montreal just may have hit a gold mine as far as uh, as far as talent goes when it comes to finding uh young explosive players that really just kind of flew under the radar yeah so i'm excited as i said as we can see that uh that eric uh, delore is doing his job he's able he's, he's he's noticing some guys that have some talent and uh uh you know i think it looks good for the alouettes going forward so can't wait for training camp man i really can't wait for training camp especially rookie camp uh you know the first day for rookie camp and see see what it's like uh for uh, for these new additions for the owls so uh, I'm psyched. I'm psyched. And speaking of, <laughs> speaking of training camp, as you as you alluded to earlier, we did get a nice stocking stuffer once again for the third straight year in a row. The CFL announced their 2020 schedule. Oh yeah, and there are and- some fantastic surprises on that. Also for Alouette fans, there really, really are. I mean, um, my my big thing, and it's one thing that I've been a proponent of, whether it be with the Randy's road trips uh, over just last year um, and really, uh, especially on social media, mentioning it too. The Alouettes listened. The CFL listened. Whoever listened, I'm glad they did. Uh, the Alouettes brought back, Cliff, their Thanksgiving Monday game. Yes, they did. And uh, this year, it'll be a wel- we'll be welcoming the Toronto Argonauts to Percival Molson Stadium and for some reason, it feels like all is right with the world again, as far as how the schedule goes and how things should be. I think a lot of people were extremely vocal, especially on Canadian Thanksgiving, that lamenting the fact that there was not a single CFL game to be had. Uh, I mean, yes, the, the CFL is, was very big proponents of this uh, triple header stuff that was going on throughout the season last year and probably got a little too carried away with it. Hence why there wasn't a Thanksgiving day game. But uh, the league did listen. I, I think a lot of people were extremely vocal. You and I would definitely have been very vocal about the fact that h- how could the Alouettes and essentially the CFL overlook this? Like, and we take away you know, our tradition. It was our thirteen-year tradition. Yeah, and I had said at the time, I really hope this is just a little blip on the radar, just a, a minor oversight. But uh, and again, the fact that uh, this game has been put back where it should be—that's now how we have to look at it. Is like they they goofed up. Uh, you know, hopefully this is something that they realize, okay, we cannot afford to do this again. This is definitely Montreal's thing. I mean, you've got the Labor Day Classic in both, uh, you know, Saskatchewan, uh, Hamilton, or even out in Alberta as well. Uh, you've got the banjo. You've got all these games that mean so much to the fans. Mm. And like I said, that's tradition. That's stuff you just simply don't futz with. And 
Same thing with us. When it, when it comes to the Alouettes and Thanksgiving, you, you don't mess with that. No. Like, like again, it's just one of those things you just simply do not try to s- screw with. So all is forgiven. You, you, you put things back the way they're supposed to be. You can't be mad at that at all. Yeah, exactly. So, so just some highlights. We can go over what we think about the schedule itself. Some highlights. Um, the home opener is only going to be on, in, on July 2nd, and that's versus the Ottawa, uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, the Thanksgiving Monday game, it will be on October 12th versus Toronto, and the home finale will be on, th- on Halloween versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, bye weeks this year, it, they seem to be a lot better for the Alouettes. Uh, we, we're going through a longer, a long stretch of not having a bye week, but there are some teams this year that are there, uh, that are, uh, 2019 Alouette schedule bye weeks, uh, bye weeks this year are week three, 13 and 19. It's actually going to be nice where we're, the Alouettes will get a break before they finish up the last two games of the regular season. Uh, home games this year, Cliff, uh, there's going to be two Thursday games, three Friday, three Saturday, and one Monday game. Um, and this is, I thought this was very interesting home games by month. We have no home games in June, but there are two in July, uh, home game heavy in August with three September one, and then home game heavy heading into the final stretch, you know, for the road to the gray cup with three, uh, what's your thought on what you saw? Anything uh, that you like, anything uh, besides the uh, Thanksgiving day game, anything you dislike? Well, I'm, uh, I, I guess I'm not really surprised, but in a way I'm a little surprised to not see any Sunday games uh, for any teams at all. It, it kind of makes me laugh because there's uh, one, there's one, there is one, one Sunday one? game, which one besides like the, the playoffs. <laughs> oh, well, you mean, are you talking league wide or, or just the owls wide? Cause I, I may have misunderstood your comment. League wide, league wide. There's one. I'd have to go okay. back and look, but I was listening to, to the guys at two and out and they happened to mention that. I think there was only one. Okay. Well, even, even then, even if there's just the one Sunday game, uh, it, kind of makes me chuckle because I, while I was at Grey Cup, uh, I went to the State of the League uh, address from uh, Randy Ambrosi, and the one thing he kept talking about was how he's not afraid of the NFL, yet there's no games on Sundays. Like, if you're not afraid of the NFL, then why don't you put your games on Sundays, especially knowing that Montrealers can also enjoy going to Alouette's games on Sundays. Uh, other teams can take advantage of Sundays as well. Uh, I mean, Sunday is a game, a, a day meant for football, whether it's NFL or possibly even CFL. Week and the 13, fact that the by the way, week thirteen, uh, Winnipeg at Saskatchewan. Uh, oh, that's well, that's the Labor Day Classic. Yep. So that, but that's being held on a Sunday. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, and it's not even. Well, in, but it, it's not, it's, I think it's just not shy, just just behind the NFL schedule anyway. So who cares? Anyways, continue. Right, I'm but, sorry. Uh, yeah, but again, that's the Labor Day tradition. So I think that's that's part and parcel. But. Uh, but I mean, by and large, there are well, like I said, just the one the one Sunday game. So I mean, like if you if you're you're not trying to compete with the NFL, and you shouldn't. And I know this is going to bother a lot of CFL fans who just despise the NFL with every fiber of their being. But I, I mean, if if you claim you're not afraid of the NFL, then why are you so focused on not trying to be a part of it? Like, yeah. you know, why why are you shying away from Sunday games? Like to me, I think. You had to make it part of the part of the league. I mean, Thursday night football, whether we like it or not, is is here to stay. It's something that has been proven to be effective as far as ratings go, yeah, and yeah. people are into it. Yeah. Friday night football, of course, is you know it, it's the gospel. I mean, it, it's it's that's also not going anywhere. Uh, this idea of making Saturdays uh, a huge thing as well. I mean, I get it for the most part, but you're also competing with college football as well. So I mean, I like. One of the things you want to do is try to hype up uh, U sports and try to make them noticeable and viable as well. But then by having these CFL games on Saturday, which is typically when they play a lot of the U sports football games, you're not getting a chance to see them either. And of course, I know you have to go back to the whole issue of not seeing, not being able to watch the games unless you're watching them on a web stream or TV Ball for any of the Quebec University games. But at the same time, you, you you're kind of be, you're, you're kind of painting yourself in a corner, as far as I'm concerned. Like, yes, you want to you want to watch your CFL games, but at the same time, how do you grow U Sports, for example, knowing full well that they will play their games mostly on Fridays or Saturdays, which is when you're showing CFL games. So, what do you do in this instance? Why not help alleviate some of that by playing some of your games on Sunday, whether it's U Sports doing it or the CFL? 
And if you're that afraid of the NFL, and I don't care what Randy Ambrosi says, the fact that there's only one Sunday game and it's a Labor Day Classic game, to me, maybe you're not necessarily afraid of the NFL, but you're certainly well aware of what the NFL means to Canada. And maybe you just rather not, maybe you just don't want to get into that fight. And to me, it just kind of flies in the face of everything that you said at that State of the League address about how you want to grow the game. You want to make it global, but at the same time, you're competing with the NFL, but you're not competing with the NFL. I, and I understand what you're saying, Cliff, but he also, he also said this a month ago. And for all we know, that this schedule was set in stone. It's just a matter of what the times were and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if, if some people may have thought that Ambrosi was talking out of his ass and when he was saying this, this, as I said, the schedule may have been done already. And I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. And to be, and to be fair, as much as I loved Saturday, uh, Sunday games, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really a big proponent now of the, of the Saturday games. I really well, am, so. Oh, I, I don't disagree with the Saturday games. It's just, to me, it's, like I say, I, I just feel like you kind of pin yourself in the corner as far as which football you're going to end up watching. And as a result, like I said, the U sports basically will get ignored. And then you're, 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 you've got these triple headers. And again, like, yeah. Well, one see, that's two- the plus, though, Cliff. Uh, and that's one of the big changes to to that actual thing. You mentioned the triple headers. There's only one this year. To, you know, to, to the... To the uh, to the uh, to, to the happy uh, the happy yelps to uh, Steve Daniel. <laughs> 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 There's only one this year. Uh, well, at least for that, which is but... good, which, which is good because I will admit they were a little bit hard. I mean, it's but again, I, I'm I'm happy and I understand your point. Uh, you know, the schedules for you know it's it's weird the way the U Sports play sometimes. You know, they usually they'll go on. They, they themselves seem to go on Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays, and then obviously have the Sunday games. Um, Sunday games for uh, for you, Laval. Um, so I can't really see what where McGill ended up being placed when it because of their current schedule. Um, you know, but really the, the Saturday games for for them, there really is no issue because you know they really don't play a lot of Saturday games until after Labor Day. Their only Saturday game prior to Labor Day is is the August first game versus BC, and that's at seven p.m. I, mm-hmm. I, I you know I, I'm trying to remember. Usually, most of the ones last year on Saturdays weren't held at seven p. weren't held at seven. They're all held at four o'clock. Right. So, so I can't I can't really complain about that. What I did find interesting though, Cliff, is these what? Friday games. None of them begin at seven thirty. They all begin at seven. Hmm. So whether they're at home or see, I think home. Uh, these now, mind you, these are home games, but I can't complain. And unfortunately, I mean, October we do seem to have. We're gonna have a, a late, you know, the last game of the of the year will be on. You know, it's gonna be during the day, just like it was. You know, this it was cold. People didn't show up. That's hopefully that it means a lot because the, the schedule's really really weird. And that's that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about and talk to the fans about too. Is that is how the Alouettes start the schedule. I mean, dude, <laughs> I look, oh my God, I'm just looking at this right now. Hold on a second here. I'll make sure I get this, this, this number correct here. Are their first eight games, seven are versus the West. Yep. Back to, and they got back-to-backs versus BC. Wow, yeah. Thursday night in BC, what the hell? Yeah, Thursday night at 10 o'clock. Like, <laughs> listen, I, I, as I've said, I'm, I'm all for, I understand the, the appeal and the wanting to promote Thursday night football. But holy Christ, like, especially on the, on the East Coast, like, who's going to stay up, like, uh, unless you're an idiot like me, who's going to stay up and me. <laughs> to, to one o'clock in the morning? You never stay up and watch the BC games. No, because I really, you know, because I felt they didn't have a chance to, to playing very well. But now that things may change, dude, come on. You know, I always watched, the, I ended up watching the games. If the game got out of hand, I, I was like, going to sleep. Oh, there you go. But, but again, like, it's still on a Thursday night, 10 o'clock, you're... That I don't understand. Like, I'm, checking, I'm checking to see if there's a double header. That's July 23rd. Yeah, I'm checking to see if that's a double header or not that night. Because they, because they, they're pushing a lot of double headers this year. That's that's something I can't tell you. Uh, no. Uh, wait a minute. I said July 23rd. No, mm-hmm. it's, it's a single game. That that's ridiculous. Like that is so incredibly stupid. It's a single game. So. <sighs> oh well. <laughs> like. A, a summer night in July, and that's when you're going to promote Friday night or Thursday night football, and especially too. Like, like I, we've heard so many uh, dude stories about like just people not wanting to come out into into the like downtown it's, Vancouver. It's in the summer. Still, it's still a work. It's still a work night for some people. Yeah, like I, I said, I, I 
I guarantee that you're not going to get a whole lot of viewers other than the diehards. See if I could check the other Thursday games here. See the, see the times of them. Okay, Edmonton, 9 o'clock, Thursday night. Yeah. These are all Thursday nights. The, the next week, Calgary, 9 o'clock. God. Uh, like, you're, you're, you're pushing it at that. Like, 9 o'clock is pushing it, but Winnipeg, 10 o'clock? Okay, Winnipeg, 8.30. But that, that's the norm for Winnipeg, no matter what night of the week. Yeah, and... Winnipeg, the following... Well, they play two Thursdays in a row? Holy crap. So, 8.30 again. There's the Alouettes game. 9 o'clock, Saskatchewan. How about that? Saskatchewan having to play a Thursday night game at home. <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> 9 o'clock, uh, Calgary. 8.30, Winnipeg. It seems to be very West-heavy. At the beginning of the season for, for Thursday night games. Very West heavy. Yeah. But so, again, like it, it, the, the, the audience, the viewership that you're looking for is out East. Dude, they give they say that, you know, it's for any late game anyways for BC. I mean, the, the plus is I hear that BC is getting a couple of a four or 4 p.m. starts, which is good. You know, uh, will this completely change if, if you know, with the, the positive news coming out of, of Halifax? I mean, will it change? It would probably have to, considering that, as everybody knows, they are the Atlantic time zone, and that's another hour. Yeah. Could you imagine that? Can you imagine being in Halifax and wanting to watch the schooners play out in BC on a Thursday night? It's <laughs> 11 p.m.? Yeah, that's a hard no. I, I don't care. Like, even if it is during the summer, I'm sorry. People work. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, when there's a four-hour time difference, hmm. I mean, that's massive. Any other things that stand out to you for for the Alouette schedule? I know I know there's a back to back with uh, we have a back to back with uh, Hamilton near the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Anything oh, else, I, anything else stands out? Uh, not really, not in particular. Like I said, it's uh, I'm I'm pretty happy for the most part where the bye weeks are for for the Alouettes. Uh, yeah, I think it's more it's better for them. I said, but there, there are teams that are worse. <laughs> that's true. Saskatchewan apparently is in a a real pickle as far as their. Uh, their bye weeks go. I think, like I think twelve they, uh, straight weeks. Something stupid. Yeah, kind of like what Montreal had last year. So uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, guess and, it's their. I guess it's their turn. <laughs> Alouettes have one more home Thursday game this year mm-hmm. compared to last year. Oh, I'm really surprised though that see it's the Riders that's playing that game. If it, if it was the home opener, it would be it would be a different story. But I mean, the fact that you know with Saskatchewan obviously always being a, a very popular team to watch, especially here in Montreal, the fact that they kind of stick that as a Thursday night game kind of surprises me a little bit. What's your think? Well, what's your thought though on the Alouettes playing seven of the first eight games? Uh, obviously there's a bye week in there too versus the West. This, this will show what type of, of uh, how strong this team is immediately. Definitely. It definitely is a, a great test. Considering their opener is at Calgary. Yeah. And again, we we saw what happened last year when the Alouettes played in Calgary uh, and, uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, too, but uh, Calgary's starting to lose a couple of their. Uh, well, they've lost uh, Ryan Didwitty as their as their uh, quarterbacks coach, who's okay. now going to be the head coach for the Argos. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some discussion about uh, Mark Killen also being a in the head coaching mix for a couple of other teams. Yeah. Oh, uh, but he end, he's ending up staying. But uh, yeah. Uh, what's what's uh, your thought, by the way, on this on this to be a determined game between Saskatchewan and Toronto? Well, we, you and I were talking about this uh, a while ago, and uh, uh, there's there's a lot of rumblings that this could potentially be played in Mexico as part of the the idea to help grow the CFL 2.0 and and kind of st- strengthen the uh, the resolve with uh, the league and also this uh, league in uh, in Mexico, the LFA. I thought that was supposed uh, to start in 2021, though, wasn't it? Uh, well. Unless they, unless they were given, the, you know, unless they were given an opportunity that they couldn't refuse. That's very possible. I mean, it's certainly not going to be a touchdown Atlantic, I don't think, because I think that if it was, they would have made it a touchdown Atlantic. They would have said right off the bat, this is... Not necessarily. Did they last year? Yes. Oh, they did? Okay. Yep. I'm trying to find out, when is, it, when is this game? Because I can only imagine when this game is, if it's going to be a, a, a freaking scorcher there in Mexico City. Hmm. And will they have the same concerns that they had uh, last year uh, with the NFL playing in... Uh, a game in Mexico City, whereas the yeah. field was in such terrible shape that they had no choice but to put the game back in uh, in America. Well, I think last year's game it, it didn't go off, uh, you know, with a, a hitch itself. So, supposedly mm-hmm. there were still some issues. Is it the July twenty fifth game? Yes, the July twenty fifth game for Saskatchewan and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's not being held in Mexico, and if it's not going to be held in Moncton as part of a Touchdown Atlantic, then where would it be held? I don't know. 
Because, again, it's it's one thing for the Argos to give up a home game, but also giving up a home game against Saskatchewan, which, as I've stated, tends to be the most, more often than not the most popular game for for teams to host because you know that Rider Nation travels extremely well yeah, and I'm, I'm there are Rider fans go, everywhere. I'm going to go Touchdown Atlantic. I'll say Touchdown Atlantic. Wow. Well, I mean, it, it was by and large fairly successful last year when Montreal and Toronto played. Mm-hmm. Uh, throw Rider Nation into the mix and you could almost afford to get away with kind of waiting to the last minute. Oh, by the way, guys, we're playing in Moncton. But, uh, I mean, I, I just think if, if it was going to be another Touchdown Atlantic, I think think they would have said so right off the bat and just tried to hype it that way yeah but i i've been wrong before and to you? me i i know right oh my god <laughs> breaking uh, news <laughs> uh, uh preseason uh by the way is uh they have a home game they have a the first game is away at the uh ottawa red blacks it's friday may 29th at, at 7 30 uh based off of that being the 29th it's very possible that camp will start on the 16th. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go with the damn. Maybe the 16th. I would say either the 15th or the 16th, so I'm going to guess, is when rookie camp will start first. I don't think it would start on the 22nd or 23rd and then have to go right into it, but I don't know. So I think either the 16th or the 23rd is when I think rookie, uh, rookie camp will uh, camp, and then uh, rookie camp and then camp will start. I'm just guessing. Um, no, we'll see if we can reach out to the Alouettes so if we see if we can get some more information on that. Um, and then for our preseason game is versus Toronto Argonauts. It is also a Saturday game. It's at 1 p.m. It's on June 6th. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. I, I, I've said numerous times that our preseason game, it makes much more sense to have. If, you're, if you can't do it on a Friday night, then do it Saturday during the day. And I think that's the best way you're going to get people interested. Now, the only thing I would say to that, though, is change the ticket prices to something very reasonable because let's face it even though it's the second preseason game and it's essentially a dress rehearsal for the starters you're still not going to see a lot of the starters play much more than a quarter max usually yeah sounds like the home finale (laughs) yeah and you gotta pay full price for that too but uh like to me i i think if you really want to keep people interested and keep people excited yes what what happened this past season I think has definitely stoked a fire within a lot of fans. I think it really got people excited about Alouette's football again. But to me, the work's not done until every single seat is sold. Yeah. And I'm talking about all 25,000 seats that are actually in place at Percival Molson Stadium. You're not done selling yet. You're not, you still haven't sold everybody. So yeah. to me, I, that, I would take that opportunity to get fans in, get them in, get, give them a taste of what to expect for the, for the 2020 season. Yeah. And I am also looking forward to whenever the, the team announces that. I'm curious to know where their fan trip is going to go, their plane trip that's going to go this year, where their train, uh, when they're going to do the uh, the bus or train trips. I'm very interested to see what they're planning on doing because uh, I've heard some rumors of, of places of where the fan plane may be going this year. So I'm, I'm very, very stoked to hear, hear about that. Well, I mean, like I looked at the schedule too and just – Trying to think what would make the most sense. I mean, places like that the Alouettes haven't been before, like Winnipeg and BC, uh, can't really do that because those are Thursday night games. True. Uh, Calgary, I mean, is in theory possible, but I mean, I, again, I think it would, you'd want to do it more on a, a weekday, kind of like a Saturday game, but uh, nothing's really jumping out as, as far as... Well, if you think about it, it's a late game itself. If they do happen to do the Calgary game, I mean, it is the opener for the Alouettes, it's the open, it's, and it's the opener for Calgary. And that's June. That's June twelfth at ten. So that's pos- and it's not a Friday. Yeah. The only other thing that would make kind of make sense a little bit might be uh, October twenty fourth against the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah. Because it's a Saturday. It's an afternoon game, so to speak. Uh huh. I mean, that's something that they've never done a fan plane to to Edmonton. So I guess that's doable. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, we'll have to see. Hopefully, we'll be we can get some more information from the. Uh, uh, from the team uh, before they announce it, and we'll we'll get you the information. By the way, don't forget that uh, we are on social media. Um, uh, you can uh, uh, check us out over at uh, Alouette's FL Deck. Heads up, we are. We'll make sure everybody sees us on social. Cliff and I have been talking back and forth, and we're we're thinking of making modifications to our Twitter account to make it represent the the show. A little bit more, but more on that in the within the new year. Um, if you want to look out for Cliffy, he is over at Cliffy D, and I am at Repact R E P P A C T on Twitter. Also, you can head over to Facebook and check out our 
our severely neglected <laughs> page on Facebook. Um, and also, besides heading over to alouettesflightdeck.ca, you can also head over to uh, Spotify, Google Play uh, Music, and Stitcher to hear the entire archive of the Alouettes Flight Deck. Lastly, so for the wow, well, was a month, about a month plus, the Alouettes were asking for submissions for. As we mentioned a couple weeks back, a couple shows back about the Alouettes were going to be in 2021 to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the team. They're going to be coming out with a third jersey. And the Alouettes yesterday, yesterday announced their final 10, the 10 finalists within this, uh, with, with what they're going to be offering, you know, for the, for the fans and possibly offering what they're going to be wearing in 2021. And some of them are interesting. Some of them are interesting. <laughs> uh, yikes, interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then some of them are like, nope. Nope. So uh, I know they are over at the, the uh, I think they have it on social media. They have it over at their Instagram account. They have it over at their Facebook page, which is where I'm heading right now. And it's funny how we're going to be trying to try to talk about these things. And it's, you know, we're, we're on video. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that's gonna work. Um, here, okay, here they are. So the third, third jerseys. They're interesting. Some of the some of the ones that they have there are quite nice. I will admit. Um, and if anybody knows, we're talking. We're, um, if I'm looking at the actual list, uh, the actual video itself, Cliff, I'd probably just say uh, number one is one of my one of my favorites. Um, number four and five are my favorites. And then the Owls one that is very similar to, uh, I think that was the, that was to the, uh, what is it look? It looked like the old, uh, the old Delta, the old Delta uniforms. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, some of them are very interesting looking. And I think it's a lot of people are saying, oh, go all red, go all red. The team's not going all red because even the team, it's, unless they totally surprise us, because they even said themselves it has to match the current helmet and the pants. Yep. But I, the interesting, and it's something that I'd floated myself, which I thought was very interesting, is what the one that is done in, is it gray? Is it silver? Is it, I don't know what to call it. And it has the shoulder yolks done. I don't know what, mm-hmm. I don't know what to call that. But you call it gray or silver? I say, I say it's gray, kind of like a darker gray. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that's uh, designed by, uh, by uh, our, our, our pal Greg over at uh, Piffle's podcast. Uh, he actually submitted two. Uh, Jersey concepts uh, to be, you know, uh, to be nominated, and ended up both of them get nominated. So that's yeah. so congrats, congrats to Greg because uh, obviously he does uh, some pretty amazing stuff uh, graphic design wise. Yeah, I kind of like the I kind of like the the one with the the, the blue shoulder yolks and then the, uh, the the red below it or the gray below it. I think that turns out really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that uh, really stands out is this uh, at the very end this uh, kind of barber pole one Canadians one I know and, uh, and I'm sorry that it, it reminds me too much of the of the late 90s uniforms that they had in the CFL yeah yeah or, or uh, the current Edmonton the, uh, the Edmonton Eskimos uh, signature jerseys I, I I'm sorry I know some X fans really love them I hated them yeah it, well yeah, it, it took some getting used to. There's no question about yeah. that. I can tell you that would be one jersey I would not buy at a at a locker room sale. <laughs> no, and I think that's what it comes down to. Like when you look at these concepts, is would you be willing to buy this jersey and wear it on your person? Well, the new four twenty five one that they showed at the very first one, I thought was really nice. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Uh, they're supposed to announce it in February. Yeah, so uh, that's good. Kind of interesting because, yeah, they won't be wearing them until 2021. But, yeah, let's announce the winner in February. <laughs> Why not? I tell you. But what what was interesting that you pointed out to me and that we both saw on social media, it sure sort of came off that uh, John Bowman may have an inside inside look at what the possible jersey is going to be. Yep. Uh, unless he was kind of speaking in generalities. But uh, it kind of the, the way his tweet came across was that uh, looks like a winner's already been chosen. I don't know. Like I said, I, I just... Just not the barber pole. <laughs> That's the only thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I, I, like I, I'm, yeah. Like we we saw what, what it was like with the Montreal Canadiens when they wore that during their centennial season. And okay, fine, that was a part of history. But uh, there's that, no barber poles in Montreal Alouettes history. Yeah, that but. that one's really out there. That one really, really is. Um, before we go, Cliff, we want to also give. Uh, you know, we don't want to lose these players, but we at least have to mention them. 
Um, uh, I know you have a list of some of the players that are briefly getting that are getting their looks uh, south of the border. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, again part of uh, being a successful football player in the CFL. Typically means if you're young enough, uh, the NFL will probably come calling for you. And uh, quite a few uh, CFL players league wide have been getting NFL workouts already, and that also includes a couple of Montreal Alouettes. Uh, our running back, William Stanbeck, uh, has already gotten uh, workouts with the New England Patriots, the Oakland Raiders, and the Chicago Bears. And uh, Eugene Lewis also got a, a look from the Chicago Bears as well. And I know that there's a few more that are uh, are being scheduled amongst uh, a couple other teams, uh, with, especially with Stanbeck, because, again, you had a, a phenomenal season like he did. You're definitely going to get a lot of looks. Uh, again, nothing's set in stone. Uh, nothing's guaranteed. All these are just workouts. So, I mean, you'd have to really knock the socks off of these uh, scouts to to be signed. But it definitely gives them a chance to evaluate these players and see if they're worthy of a futures contract or something down the line. Uh, as, as it stands right now, uh, Stanback and Lewis are free agents. So, in theory, they could sign with any NFL team they wanted to. And uh, well, I mean, like I said, we we we've known these guys. They've been they've been on the show. They're definitely fantastic players and even better people off the field. Uh, so it'd be unfortunate to lose them to the NFL, but you'd also have to be a little bit happy because they're pursuing their dream. And I guess whatever happens, happens. Obviously, we wish them luck no matter what happens. Uh, if they end up back here in 2020, that'd be awesome. Of course, you know they. they they're, they're definitely talented enough to be considered for the NFL. Obviously, these are players you want on your your CFL team. Uh, if they and do I end just up got go- stand back on my jersey, damn it. <laughs> yeah, so how dare you, William? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, then you know what? If he goes and he tears it up in the NFL, you can say, I knew William stand back when. That's right. And we had him on the podcast when. So in a way, we kind of helped contribute to the success that he's about to have potentially in the NFL. Yeah. So that's pretty good, too. The fact that we were able to get in on the ground floor of this exciting, explosive player, that's fantastic. Same thing for Geno Lewis. I mean, he's extremely talented. We've seen everything he's done over the past couple of years here in Montreal, and he definitely deserves an opportunity as well. And again, that's the thing. These are just workouts. Like, nothing is set in stone. Sometimes, too, like Anthony Calvillo back in 2003, he had a workout with the Pittsburgh Steelers and decided, you know what? No, I, I, I've got a good thing in the CFL. I'll, I'll stay in Montreal and I'll be a legend there. And that's what he did. Yeah, we could see that happen with a, a lot of these guys here as well. But again, they get the opportunity. They're going to take their shots. They're going to see if maybe the grass is greener on the other side. Can't fault them for that. No, but they could very well just decide. You know what? I appreciate the opportunity, but I have a good thing going in the CFL. I got a good thing going with the Montreal Alouettes. I'm going to be a part of something special here. In the five one four, and maybe that's where I want to be. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned before, this is our last show of twenty nineteen, um, and, and obviously, uh, we are looking forward, obviously, to twenty twenty because uh, there seems to be the Alouettes seem to be once again rebuilding and restocking with with uh, you know players that will be able to to make it uh, hopefully another special season. Um, so. Uh, we once we have some more information, and I don't think we'll we it won't be right before I think we're, I think our schedule is to, for the draft. I think we'll do something before the draft as more information comes along, or if we happen to be able to get a get an interview with a certain someone who know, who who knows. Um, but I know from every, all of us here at the pod, we want to wish everybody a, a happy and safe holiday season and a happy new year. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I don't think there's any, anything more we, we can say about that. Just want to, another quick reminder before we do finish up uh, that if you still haven't finished your uh, your Christmas shopping for your Alouettes fan or for yourself, that the boutique is going to be open tomorrow, December 20th and December 21st. Tomorrow it is open until 8 p.m. I'm going back and trying to, trying to verify the, the dates here um, as I moved away from something else. uh it it is 8 p.m tomorrow uh but for saturday it is open i think till four verifying i know cam would would kill me if i didn't get this right here um it does it (laughs) 
Where's the date? You didn't say it. Damn it. <laughs> I know it's today and tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow and Saturday. That I do know. De- December 20th and 21st. Yes, that I do know. But I think it's still only uh, 5 o'clock. I think it's 5 o'clock only on Saturday. Let's see. According to, well, according to the LOS website, which I happen to oh, be on. Oh, found it. Good. Let's see. From 12 to 4 p.m. on December 21st. There we go. Which is this, this coming Saturday. Yeah, so... Good. Lots of time to you know go and get uh, get all your Alouettes gear for either yourself, as Tim said, either for yourself or for your loved ones. Uh, they've got all sorts of Christmas decorations too. So if you still need to, if you if you're like me, you still haven't decorated a Christmas tree, then uh, go on down to the shop and uh, grab yourself some Alouettes Christmas swag. Exactly. And make this a very merry Christmas, exactly. or Happy Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa, or whatever it is that you happen to be celebrating this year. Isn't tomorrow Festivus? Uh, no, that's the 23rd. Oh, okay. <laughs> made up holiday all of our made up holidays <laughs> how dare you okay look, we're gonna start airing some grievances right now <laughs> no that's for tw- that's for 2020 uh, <laughs> remember we have perfect vision in 2020 perfect vision perfect vision yeah so that's what we always need to be looking towards and hopefully in 2020 with that perfect vision we get this ownership situation settled once and for all because quite frankly i i I see where this team is going. I see the vision already when it comes to guys like Kahari Jones and Vernon Adams and what they've done on the football field. Now we got to have confidence as supporters of this of this franchise. We got to have confidence the vision in the front office is also 2020 yeah. for 2020. Yeah. That's all there is to it. So I mean, I I don't know what the if it's a, it's the league that's causing this delay or what's causing it. I don't care at this point. I really don't care. I just I want to see this ownership thing settled once and for all. I want to be able to go to training camp in May with everything in place. Not necessarily things done by committee, not things kind of done by the seat of their pants. I want to know that this team has the stability to sustain themselves going forward for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line. I I want to make sure that this Alouettes team is relevant and stays relevant in the Canadian Football League for many years to come. So, And it starts at the top. That's really what it comes down to is it starts at the top, get the ownership situation settled, get the general manager situation settled because the stuff on the, on the field, we've seen it takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. You just got to get everything else right. And to me, that's when you talk about 2020 vision for the year 2020, that's what's got to happen. Everything's got to be clear. That's all there is to it. Exactly. Well, Cliff, all the best to you, my friend. And I know I will be speaking to you before, but uh, uh, again, all the best to you and all the best to everybody within the Alouettes family. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.